This is the Faith Debate, a theological roundtable gab fest, a free-for-all forum with faith community leaders wrestling over the truth. In less than one half hour, learn more about what really matters than what most others learn in a week. The Faith Debate is on the World Wide Web at WFMD.com, keyword faith. Are you ready for the clash of ideas? Are you ready for the sound of freedom? Let's get ready to rumble in this corner, weighing in with the Master of Divinity from Reformed Theological Seminary, the Faith Debate Master of Ceremonies, (laughs) Troy Skinner. Welcome to the Faith Debate. Thank you so much for listening once again. I'm doing some shows recently. If you've been listening every week, then you know what's going on. But in in case you're not listening every week, let me explain what's going on. These shows, I'm obviously not doing it. Well, maybe I shouldn't say obviously, but I'm not doing them live on Sunday mornings because the kinds of people we typically have on this show, you know, as guests and things, they're busy on Sunday mornings. You know what I'm saying? So we do the show. We take the show in advance, and we tend to uh, record a number of shows in relatively rapid succession, one right after the other. And uh, recently, in recent months, really for most of the past year, it's been a little bit difficult. We've been able to pull it off at some straight. So last spring, let me, let me slow down. Last spring, there were huge immediate lockdowns put in place, and so we we ran some lockdown tapes, lockdown editions of the faith debate, where we used some some material that had been used uh, outside of faith debate confines and repurposed them inside of the faith debate. But then things loosened up a little bit, and so we had some in-studio guests. We even had some guests by telephone, which was a new thing for us. We'd only done that one other time ever in our 17-year history of doing the show, but we did a, a few guests by telephone, which was great. Um, but it was still it was me and Jonathan Schweitzer doing the show in-studio together. And then another round of lockdowns, rather stringent, kicked in last fall, and so we started repurposing material again, and that's kind of still where we are. Things look like they're beginning to relax, and to be honest, as you're hearing this, maybe they've relaxed enough that uh, we wouldn't have to be running repurposed material. However, uh, as I'm recording this, those those stringent restrictions are in place, making it difficult for us to do our typical show. So we're tackling uh, various issues that people have asked be covered and still do it in the, as close as we can to approximating the faith debate style. Now, if you follow the show closely or you know anything about me more personally, you know that I uh, not only work at WFMD and sister station WFRE, but I'm also the pastor of a church. And last year we started a new church, a, a house church, if you will, called a Household of Faith in Christ. And very early on in starting that, about this time last year, as it turns out, um, you know, we were getting our legs under us trying to figure out how to meet people where they were and answering people's questions as they had them. And so I put it out there. I said, hey, what are the questions you want to have answers to right now? And we'll we'll start by focusing on those. And the first question I got from people was, should the churches be open? Uh, and what should the role of the government be in determining that? And so we tackled that question, and we did that uh, over two weeks on this show Um not last week, but the week before that, and then the week before that were the two weeks we did that. And then last week we began to tackle a different question, which we're going to finish tackling this week, which was, would Jesus wear a mask? So we're going to pick up where we left off last time, and I think we're going to have time to to finish this up. And if you hear any wonky edits along the way, I apologize. I'm doing some of the edits live on the fly because this is audio that's been archived on YouTube, and it's difficult for me to repurpose it into an audio form for air 
without spending an inordinate, inordinate amount of time. And so I'm trying to be efficient with my time. So there's a couple of clunky edits, and I apologize for that in advance. So I, uh, I appreciate your, your, your grace and mercy towards me. <laughs> anyway, Would Jesus Wear a Mask, Part 2. The citation for in Romans 14, if you want to look at that later, you can study it on, on your own later. And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, also written by the Apostle Paul. And beginning with verse 1 again. Now about food, and again, this, this isn't about masks. Again, we're, we're trying to grapple with biblical principles that will help inform us how to have biblical wisdom on questions that aren't exactly nailed down with a nail driven straight down into the wood uh, in Scripture for us all the way through. You know, that, that's, uh, some of this we have to figure out using biblical principles as our guidance. So beginning in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 8. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. But even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many quote-unquote gods and many quote-unquote lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in, in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? And so this weak brother or sister, for whom Christ died, is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. Uh, uh, a cloud of surrounding issues uh, that swirl about, you know, the, the question of whether Jesus wore a mask, and that's what we're getting at. Is like, you know, what would be the motivation to wear or not wear a mask? Because the heart motivation is what we're driving at. We need to have some biblical discernment to make a biblically wise determination of what the right path is, and that's what we're trying to grapple with. And so, the media. Um, is at least inconsistent. Depending on who you listen to, you get different stories. Now, the government authorities have definitely done things that are uh, highly unusual in my lifetime. I would say highly unusual in our nation's history and perhaps highly unusual um, in a Western Democratic Republic kind of environment throughout the world's history. I don't think we've ever had a moment like this. We are living in historic times. So all of that is true. And then the cultural stuff and the, uh, the, the societal pressure and all of that stuff and, the, you know, and, and where we live, our county executive trying to dictate uh, when and how churches would gather and worship and all those sorts of things. All of that's part of the question. Um, 
And so trying to drill back down into what does the Bible tell us? Because even if the governor of our state or your state uh, said, whatever you want to do, and all the county executives said, whatever you want to do, and all the media said, whatever you want to do, churches would still be of a mixed mind on this. At least that's been my dialogue with, with Christian brothers and sisters. Christians are not on the same page on this. We aren't on, we're not sure. We haven't been sure, at least up until tonight. We're clarifying it tonight. But up until tonight, we haven't been, we haven't been sure about would Jesus wear a mask or not? Should Jesus wear a mask? Would Jesus have us wear a mask? Um, and so some of the things from the passages we talked about when the Romans passage and the Corinthians passage, we're talking about clean versus unclean food. We're talking about food uh, that had been sacrificed to idols. Uh, we're talking about one day being esteemed more than another. That has to do with the, the festival days, the worship days. You know, uh, uh, the church still battles with that. There are those so with, uh, you know, within the Christian community who say you have to worship on Saturday. And there are some that say you have to worship on Sunday. And there are some that say, you don't have to worship on any particular day. We worship on Wednesday. And there's a, there's a dialogue and a debate. And Christians have chosen to agree to disagree on some of those things while they continue to debate. Because iron sharpens iron. And so some of the guidelines from the passages that we read in Romans and in uh, Corinthians, uh, some of the guidelines we can draw from this are, have to do with Christian love, I think. You were talking about grace and mercy earlier. And, that, you know, love. Uh, is part of that mix. And so what the first rule, uh, it's been said, of Christian love is that we should receive others who are weaker in faith as brothers and sisters in Christ. So if we're going to love a Christian brother or sister and we identify them as somebody that we think is a little weaker in the faith, then we need to uh, receive them where they are. Uh, and understand that every Christian, Paul emphasizes this in what we read tonight, Paul emphasizes that every Christian is a servant of Christ. He is the master. Christ is every Christian's master and judge. I'm not your master. I'm not your judge. Uh, there are times when the leadership within churches have to make discernment dis uh, uh, decisions about excommunication and things like that. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about individual Christians as uh, assigning judgment on somebody. Um, Paul is teaching against that. We're not to judge those who are Christ's in matters such as these. These complicated, not clearly articulated in Scripture things. The second principle about Christian love due to, that we learned from what Paul wrote for us. Due to Christian liberty, a person should not be forced to act according to another person's conscience with respect to matters of indifference. Now, if Angela wants to go kill her neighbor and murder him in his sleep, I should do what I can to force her not to do that. <laughs> because that is a moral question that is clear in Scripture. It's not a wisdom question. It's a moral question. But on this sort of thing, it's a wisdom question. And I don't really know 100% sure. I might be 99% sure, but... I have to have a measure of humility and recognize, you know, Angela might be right. And so I'm not going to force her. And even if I am right, if her conscience, her biblically informed conscience is telling her otherwise, 
I got to let her be obedient to her master because she's convinced that Christ is telling her that she should or shouldn't eat the meat or worship on a particular day or wear a mask or not wear a mask. The third principle that we learned from Paul, somebody who is a stronger brother or sister in Christ should not cause a weaker brother or sister in Christ to stumble. Instead, we should be considerate of where they are. We shouldn't... uh, We have no reason to flaunt uh, our own liberty in Christ with other believers. If we were to do so, we would would run the risk of coaxing them, the weaker brother or sister, to go against their conscience. Oh, come on. I'm I'm eating this food that had been dedicated to an idol. It's not a big deal. I'm I'm free in Christ. I can do this. You can too. And if her conscience is otherwise, and I somehow persuade her to go against conscience, I have sinned against her. I have sinned against... God. That's something that, that Paul is teaching us. Again, look at uh, Romans chapter 14. I think verse 22 particularly is helpful in regards to that. So in other words, the kingdom of God, and this is what the Bible is about. It's about our King Jesus Christ and his kingdom. The kingdom of God, it is not about what we eat and drink. It is not about particular days versus other days. It is not about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. That is not what the kingdom is about. Christ's kingdom is not a matter of what amounts to what some have called indifferent externals. There are things external to the core of the faith. They're not of critical importance. They're not, they're not part of the internal thing that holds the faith together. The external matters. And they're indifferent. They're not salvation questions. They're not really even obedience questions as far as the written law. They're obedience questions as to your conscience that is bound to Christ by the Holy Spirit. So um, so when it comes to things upon which we can afford to agree to disagree, we should have love for each other. This goes to Dina's point from about 10, 15 minutes ago. And one way that we have love for one another is to respect the scruples, right, the conscience pangs, that people have, that each individual has. We are to respect the scruples of each individual and we are to respect the liberty of each individual. So if I have, if I feel like I have liberty, I can do whatever I want, I should be sensitive to those that don't feel like they have that liberty and meet them where they are. And it works in the reverse. It should work in the reverse as well. Patience and forbearance are needed in both sides of that equation. When it comes to what are called matters of the externals, the internal fruit of the Holy Spirit is what must be made manifest. So in the interest of time, let me jump into Galatians chapter 5, and then we'll have some concluding remarks. So, Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. 
You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy... Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. And that echoes what Dean was talking about earlier as well. So in conclusion, we're going to wrap with a, with a prayer. Uh, we're not going to do a big group prayer. We're not going to have time for that. So I'm just, after my concluding thoughts, I'm asking uh, Ann Villa if she wouldn't mind, or do you want to close? Which no, one do you want to close? Okay. okay. Close us in prayer, and then we'll... Uh... I'll be crying if I close us in prayer. <laughs> so, the question we were tackling uh, primarily today, hoping to tackle today, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus wear a mask? And more poignantly, would Je- what would Jesus have us do? Would he have us wear a mask or not wear a mask? It depends. <laughs> It's a favorite answer from pastors, right? (laughs) Christ has set us free. So Christians, stand in that freedom and allow other believers to stand in that freedom. In some cases, circumcision was absolutely the way to go in Paul's life story. In other cases, it was the reverse. And it's the same with masks. So, if you're visiting the, the, the sick, uh, the frail, the immune-compromised, Jesus might very well have you wear a mask. If we're sick ourselves, and as we're sick ourselves, we find ourselves in a situation where we're forced to go out into public, Jesus might very well have us wear a mask. If we are convinced in our heart that masks encourage tyranny. They, they signal fear of anything other than God. They might cause more harm than good. 
if we're persuaded that wearing a mask uh, is, is useless for medical protection, but is useful for supporting, providing a signal that supports the restrictions of economic freedom and religious freedom and freedom of speech, well then, Jesus might very well discourage you from wearing a mask. Now with regards to the corporate worship gatherings, use them as kind of a tangible example, an important example of what we're talking about here, because it's a decision that churches are, are needing to make right now as things begin to open up, and the leaders come together, and the congregations come together, and what are they going to do? Should we require people to wear masks to church? Would Jesus ask us to do that? Or would he say, no, we're not going to require it? What would Jesus have us do? Or would he somehow tell us, you can't wear a mask? Why do you tell us that? Well, does God's word prohibit wearing a medical mask to church gatherings? I don't think so. No, I can't find a verse that would say, Thou shalt not wear a medical mask to church. Does God's word demand wearing a medical mask to church gatherings? Well, no. So, make your choice. And allow others in Christian freedom to make theirs. And getting angry with your brother or sister about the choice that they make, that exposes your heart. If somebody is exercising their Christian freedom and following their biblically informed conscience to the best of their ability, and you get angry with them for that, that exposes your sin not theirs. So that's my final word on that word, sick. And so some people are saying, I'm not wearing a mask because I'm afraid of getting sick. I'm afraid that I might make somebody else sick. But if you're convinced in your mind that I'm more likely to reinforce in their, in their heart, in their mind, fear and ungodly submission and, uh, and reinforce a narrative that is... That is taking away people's freedoms to flourish and experience shalom, uh, if that's a higher risk than me giving them a virus that might do them significant harm, that's part of the equation too. So that's why we can't, we can't judge. We can try to persuade. We can engage with those who disagree with us. Again, being iron sharpening iron. And I'm firmly convinced in my position, of course I am, and you're firmly convinced in your position, of course you are, and let's hash it out, and maybe I'll shift my position slightly. I'll learn something from you. I'll learn something about myself from you, and vice versa. It's one of the reasons I love doing the Faith Debate Show all these years, is I've, I've learned a lot. Uh, most of my positions are essentially the same, but there's some, some shifts and some nuance that has changed, and that's healthy and good for the body of Christ. So, anyway. And that's where we're going to wrap things up for uh, this edition of the Faith Debate. We're in our tackling, you know, interesting questions portion of the show. As we can't do our typical panel discussion, not quite yet anyway, with the restrictions that are in place. And so we're finding creative ways to, to bring you information that uh, might be 
you know, kind of debate-oriented. So I'm the pastor of a church, Household of Faith in Christ, and I asked people to share with me questions they had on their heart. One of them was, should churches be open? So we tackled that for a couple of weeks on the show. And then I had the, this question of, would Jesus wear a mask? We've tackled that question the past couple of weeks here uh, on the show. And we're going to uh, tackle some other questions coming up. For example, others that are uh, potentially in the queue. I think next week we're going to start with uh, what happens at death. If you've ever wondered what exactly happens at the moment of death, we're going to address that beginning next week. Other questions that were asked of me, uh, beliefs about the end times, um, are there ghosts? <laughs> uh, you know, those sorts of things. So, those, But next week I think we're going to do what happens uh, at death. That sounds like it would be a fun topic for us to tackle. So anyway, you can find us, these, these different shows that we have on the, the, the Faith Debate at WFMD.com, keyword faith. You can find them on the WFMD Facebook page. You can find me on my personal Facebook page. I post the, the audio for these shows there as well. You'll also find me with these sorts of posts and other posts for that matter on MeWe, on Gab, and uh, on Parler. I'm mostly on, I think, MeWe and, and Parler, particularly these days, a little bit on Gab, and I'm mostly only using Facebook to post uh, audio podcasts and video things that I and uh, the church, the House of the Faith in Christ, uh, have produced ourselves. So, anyway, and I'm not sure if it's up and running by now, because as I record this, no, but maybe by the time you hear this, our website might be running. It's the householdoffaithinchrist.com. So go check and see if it's up and running yet. You can find out more about what we're doing there. Thank you so much for listening to the show all these many years. I, it really, it touches my heart. I appreciate the feedback that I get as well. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from, oh, right about now. God bless.